This show is brought to you by Brain First Training Institute, ICF accredited coach certifications and applied neuroscience training. To become a brain-based coach, get certified in applied neuroscience and stay up to date with what's happening in the world of applied neuroscience and coaching, join our Brain First community over at brainfirsttraininginstitute.com. Hey, it's Ramon and welcome to Brain Coach Radio, where we hear from expert coaches, leaders and trainers who are using applied neuroscience to help their clients get life-changing results. We discuss various coaching topics, neuroscience insights, business tips and much more, all to help you succeed. Now, let's get into the episode. No interruptions. Enjoy, my friends. So, let's talk about coaching. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's great to see you, by the way. Great to have you on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Ramon. Thanks for having me. Honestly, it was a pleasure uh, getting to know you in the uh, in the coursework we did. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I want to touch on uh, a number of different things uh, on during this episode. But um, why don't we start with your coaching journey? Let's let's start there. Where did the interest come from? Why did you decide to leave the career? Which I want to talk about your your previous career as well. Um, what, yeah. what where did this all start? Okay, so um, let me start when I was young. <laughs> I'll try to make this quick. <laughs> um, yeah, when I was a young guy, I, um, I, I really found an interest in psychology. Um, and organizational psychology was at the top of the list as well. I steered into a lot of existential thought, existential phenomenological psychology, which is the study of one living for the moment in the moment in the day, but with the the presence of knowing that there's a future in mind, right? And then utilizing that to kind of draw yourself into the right direction. Um, And I really, really, really gravitated towards it, but could not find an application in my life Mm. to practice that. Um, And, uh, you know, from there, I kind of just muddled around in the business world. I, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of success early on in my sales career in my early 20s. Um, and, um, that kind of grounded me into the business world while I was going to school. Long story short though, in the middle of my master's for psychology, I, um, I ended up, uh, really starting to make some pretty good money into, into the career I had going to put myself through school. And so as irony always plays his hand in life, right? Um, I shifted as a young man that came from a whole lot of nothing and being, having to be self-made, I shifted over to the business side. And I spent 26 years um, in the sales, sales leadership um, uh, side of, uh, of first telecommunications industry, which kind of morphed in my time into, you know, building out the internet, right? So we're for a company that laid a lot of dark fiber and did a lot of the connectivity in order to get the internet working in a lot of places urbanly across the country. That was interesting through the 90s. I'm dating myself now. And then in the 2000s, <laughs> and then in the 2000s, um, I moved into healthcare where I sold um, both uh, capital equipment um, and, uh, and software um, as, as I kind of migrated through that portion of my career. The software side was really interesting because it does bring human behavior into it more so than I think the capital equipment piece. Although, you know, the part of my success of that whole journey was understanding the connectivity of things. And when even when I sold the hardware pieces within the medical device industries uh, industry, 
I still always focused on that that connectivity story. How do we bring all that information together for the benefit of making better decisions, right? So software is a natural, you know, lead in on after that. This whole time, though, I found I found this like internal struggle because a lot of the sales world is really kind of um, driving you towards an outcome that one party desires. If you're if you're fortunate and do your job well, then both parties desire, right? Um, and but that drive towards something that 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 somebody something desires is can be at times more manipulative than I think that I became comfortable with the older that I got. Right. Um, so I wanted to go back to my roots and figure out how to apply some of the, uh, the business acumen and knowledge that, that I gained <clears throat> and tie it to my desire to be in like the human health services side, right. To affect change. Um, and I worked for a very large company during that time, a company that was prone to hire a lot of Ivy League people who came with a mission and mantra of, I went through my MBA, I know how to drive costs out of a business, so let's drive costs out of a business until there's no business left to speak of. Um, <clears throat> and it's a plague that a lot of uh, companies, I think, kind of like fall into this pattern of that. And they forget about why they're in business, how to connect to people, right? And how to make their product con connect with what people need and how it's going to solve issues for them, right? They forget that that developing that is a cost, but a cost that is really an investment. <clears throat> so when you become a slave in a company, when a corporation becomes that like that, 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 that kind of wed to the experience of pleasing Wall Street, right? The investment community um, on a quarterly basis, the site is lost on the long-term vision. That was my experience with it. Okay. I'm not going to name names of companies because I don't look to get sued anytime soon here, but um, I had that experience a few times and, um, and I couldn't help but notice it and shake it. Even if I was told that it wasn't my job to say so. <clears throat> so when I finally reached the point where I'm like, I think I've had enough, <laughs> it's time for me to, to realign with my principles and my core values and, and to um, uh, see what I can do to apply that now at this stage of my life, um, I found coaching. And um, what I found, what I find with coaching is that it gives me an opportunity to impact and affect the change that um, in others that I, not only did I not feel that I had that opportunity, that ability to speak that voice and be heard, I was given the opportunity to speak a lot, but Rarely did I feel heard, right? <clears throat> but it also, um, it gives me an opportunity to help others and magnify, you know, that, that possibility for, um, uh, let's just say, the culture that we promote within companies and corporations um, beyond just my personal extent. Does that make sense to you? Yep. So... Are you, so the people that you're coaching, so you've had this long established career, you've kind of found your way back to, uh, you know, quote unquote, using psychology in the way that you are wanting to because of some of the experiences that you've had working for companies, corporations and all the rest of it. Are you coaching people still within uh, organisations or are you coaching individuals or are you starting to figure out this, this niche or what, what, what's the, what's the current state of, of the coaching business? 
Good question. I'm actually doing, I'd say yes to all the above. Um, So yeah, I mean, I have a few clients that, you know, what I found that was a pretty easy plug and point for me to start in the first few years of doing this is helping people through transitions. And, um, you know, it's something that I went through that was pretty profound in me whenever I had to take a pause in my life at middle age, reflect, try to think about which direction I wanted to go. That story I just told, it really hit me pretty profoundly. And, um, and I couldn't help but notice that a lot of other people were going through that too. Then the pandemic happened <laughs> right after that, right? So then a lot of people started going through that same experience with time on their hands to reflect and think and, and to realign to their own personal values. So um, I think that, that, that uh, uh, that's where I found my initial like, entry point into coaching others. It aligned very easily for me. Now, um, through that alignment, I was able to create a few, you know, associates over the years and, and, um, and one put me in contact with another, put me in contact with another as business development tends to work. And, um, uh, and I just kind of followed those breadcrumbs and it led me to an organization, um, called COPE, K-O-A-P. It was headquartered, it's headquartered and founded out of the UK, um, uh, Steve Gore and James Aspen are the original two business partners in it. And, and they're both, you know, been coaching for quite a while and developed a model around how to, to take this coaching model and to do exactly what I, where I said my passions could and would and now do lie. And that is in helping the world see there is a different way to lead, a better way to lead, right? And how do we go about that and apply these leadership trainings and, and education, right, in an adult learning style <clears throat> to that environment, sales leadership and trainings in an adult leadership style apply to, to that environment. How do we apply that and then reinforce it with individualized coaching so that it really sticks, right? Because one of the things that, you know, as you know, in your in, in what you do for a living, um, it, you know, when we are first uh, made aware of, of, of something new to us, right? Mm-hmm. It has a certain percentage of impact of staying power. And Roman, I'm going to defer to you. What is that percentage when you first learn something in, in a teaching environment? Uh, of it actually sticking. Uh-huh. Oh God. <laughs> I don't know the figures, but it's it's not high. <laughs> it's not high, right? It's pretty, it's pretty low, right? And that's yeah. because we leave our whatever the experience of learning is, and we go back to our lives. <clears throat> and there's 17 emails waiting for us in the hour and a half that we've attended this, you know, training seminar. Mm-hmm. And there's probably six irate customers you have to deal with, <laughs> supply chain issues every day now with everybody, right? And that becomes top of mind. And what happens whenever we fall back into that? We fall back into our standard practices and what we know has made us successful. And this new way of thinking then is kind of, okay, that's cool. I learned that. And it stays where, where it was in the classroom where you learned it. That was my experience with leadership training for, from the corporate world. That was my experience with sales training in the corporate world. That was my experience pretty much everything in the corporate world, right? The follow-through, the real, the real, the real, I think, catch and difference is that this organization that I'm now part of, <clears throat> we since we pair it with the coaching, we get and gain an opportunity to reinforce and to have a conversation to give our clients an opportunity to reflect upon what they've learned, bring it to us on a weekly, bi-weekly basis so we can discuss it, reinforce it see what's working, and then reapply the principles as we go. 
Um, and that's a very different thing than what I experienced, and I wanted to be part of it. So I found natural alignment with Steve's mission um, and James's mission, <clears throat> and um, and they, the unfortunate they saw value in me and a few others. And now we started a franchise in the United States called Cope Americas that is uh, uh, going out currently and attracting clients to do the very same thing that that Steve and James have done globally. Fantastic. So how? Um... What are the clients coming for? Are they coming for leadership development and the coaching is part of that? Like what, what initially attracts the clients to what the, the company has to offer? Yeah, I've noticed it comes in two ways, right? So most of it is word of mouth. So we're, we're doing, we're getting our LinkedIn and, and, you know, strategy going and a few other social media platform strategies going, updated the website, <clears throat> doing all the foundational stuff. We already we we just recently won a client a couple weeks ago our first client out of this uh, out of out of our group which is great um, mm-hmm. with the tutelage of you know of the of the founding uh, uh, company and uh, it gives us something to springboard off of but you know what I've noticed is there's two ways for it to happen one is people hear of us word of mouth through work that 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 Cope has done right and then we just engage in a conversation to discover their their environment. That requires a lot of research on our part, too, because everything we do is done in a bespoke fashion, right? So it's tailored to the organization based on what we understand where they currently are and what they're trying to achieve and where they are in the market strategy. Typically, a lot of that is what needs what, 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 what will need to be redefined. So it's helpful to have an understanding of that by doing our research prior to having a conversation with them. Now, that's more like business development way that we go about getting business. And we then teach our clients to help them do that. If they're in the sales environment side of things, we teach them how to do the same thing. On the leadership side, a lot of leadership principles of 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 leading from behind and also understanding the cultural nuances that that corporations have to uh, uh, experience today. I should say not have to, but do experience today. Um, And we bring neuroscience into it a lot so that people can understand the transition that they're going through. And the impact it's going to have, you know, on the people and what reinforcements are going to be needed. All right. The other side of it is that's that one side. The other side is that we're currently coaching somebody on an executive coaching type of role. Hmm. And through that coaching experience, it expands into, you know what, we should really put this into into practice for the entire team. Can you Hmm. come in and talk to us about leading, uh, you know, leading a seminar on this? And that tends to be a win when, when clients find their alignment to like the true north to the values right and how they want to reset culture sometimes or perhaps it is a new direction the company would like to go or perhaps they've grown very very quickly and they find themselves in the position of what used to work needs redefined right so it's that exploration through executive coaching and being that mirror to them can open doors for additional trainings as well Got it. So let's, and then that feeds uh, itself back on the coaching side too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let's let's um, talk about the coaching aspect specifically. Mm-hmm. So, for example, with these uh, executives, uh, is that mostly around leadership development and the leading from behind and these concepts that you're talking about? Uh, is that the primary um, aspect of the the coaching? What the coaching is based on? You know, I, I, the, the primary the, the primary um, uh, driver for what what all the 
business, I should say, is, is, is predicated upon is understanding the psychology of what's going on, you know, and how you should apply oneself to it, right? So if we take culture, <clears throat> then it's understanding what in your culture ties to your values, right? And to your vision and what would you like to redefine, right? And how are you reinforcing that? Um, what we find is a lot of people will, what we've been, we've been trained to discuss these things like they're in the ether, right? Like uh, collaboration, for instance, right? Synergy. How many times did we hear those words over the past 20 years? <laughs> yeah, we have this, uh, I don't know if you've heard this thing called wank words bingo. <laughs> I have not, but it sounds like I'm playing it right now. <laughs> Every time you hear a wank word, you've got to mark it down on your little your little word sheet of bingo. So synergy, wank word. I'm like, yep, there it is. That's one, right? For sure. <laughs> and then if you get, I think all- that's the one in the middle because that was so overused, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So uh, uh, um, what we're what what we're finding is that uh, uh, it's that alignment itself and getting getting people to open up into a true act of collaborating internally. How can you drive that? How do you get teams to start working together? How do you notice when teams are working well together? You know, are you creating a psychologically safe environment for people to feel like they can contribute? Right. I can tell you a number of times personally in my career, this game was talked a lot, but it was never psychologically safe to play in it. Right. Yep. So that's a big part of what we do is we, we also want to make sure that it's psycho, it's a psychologically safe environment for those, regardless of title, to get involved and collaborate and to participate. There's so much more that comes out of, you know, as we, and we know this is humans. It just comes, there's so much more that comes out of the sum of the parts, you know, and then each individual one comprised. So, you know, it's unlocking that true potential within organizations they already have. Just as you know, when you, when you coach a client, like very rarely do I provide guidance. I provide, it's so funny when I do, if I switch over from, from coaching into what I would call consulting, I literally say that. I say, okay, listen, it sounds like maybe you may want or wish for some knowledge around this. Would you like me to provide some consulting around this? And then if they say yes, we move or move over into it. I share the bit of knowledge that I may have that will apply. And then I slide back into the coaching space because the coaching space is really about the client finding their answers within. So the ICF model, you're an ICF accredited coach organization that you run. And, you know, the model is predicated around that, right? But um, I should say not, but. So we take that and we say the same thing really applies in the corporate space. Okay. The answer is always, they typically always lie within. I mean, this model of you hire a consultant to come in and fix your business seems a little, if you don't mind me saying so, like it's a little off-putting, I think too. Like, so the real model is, What's currently working for you? Let's talk about what you what you what you define your values to be, and then how can we use what's working for you, unlock it, gain input from those that are members of your team to help propel you further, and define whatever those next steps are for your organization. Right. So that's all we're looking to do. It seems pretty easy and simple as we talk about here in a podcast, but it takes a lot to to get people to trust in that process. Because it's not as if we've operated in an environment where that trust has existed on a continuous basis. Most people have not, right? Have been burnt a few times. Yeah. So how, how do you do that? How do you establish that trust? I mean, like some of these things when you're talking about, uh, and, and I think 
you know, whether it's the values of the organization or the values of the individual, like we're talking about some pretty personal stuff here. And then we're, yeah. if we're going into even discuss how to, you know, looking at that in depth and then using that as a, as a foundation to change things, like I know for, not that I've worked in organizations, but my experience has been with engaging with people who operate within organizations are nobody likes the change. Like it's scary. It's, and, and we're talking about some pretty stuff here. So how do you establish the trust when you go in and, and you know that you're going to be shaking a few things up? Yeah. Yeah. So first off, I think you're right. I mean, the biggest challenge to change is the status quo, right? It's what we're comfortable with. Um, so I think the first thing is you have to have a little bit of insight, right? You have to deliver a little bit of insight and that requires a little bit of research on, on, on anybody's end. If you're going to go talk to somebody and knew about something. Um, so you're literally, when you provide insight to somebody, you're literally providing something factual that you're challenging a way that a client is currently doing something. So that challenge means is going to put somebody typically on a bit of a defensive posture, right? So how do we how do we get beyond that? And that's going to be part of it. It always is. Um, the first thing I would say is have the facts right, understand that the what the client's environment is, and get in there and have a conversation with them about some things that they could do to enhance what they currently are doing to move forward on something a little bit different. The biggest thing to this whole process, though is really listening, right? Mm -hmm. So engaging in a conversation of trust, whether it's at a, for a leadership a training, a one-on-one -on -one coaching experience or sales training or, you know, anything related, really. It's, it's getting, gaining access so that you're stimulating a conversation and it places you, me in this case, in a position of being the listener, right? Um, so, and I don't mean just listen to listening to what they're saying. Also just watching the body language, helping them understand what the, whenever they seem like they are really attached to something that, you know, this core principle, this new principle that maybe they've defined, or you've helped them define, they need to let go of, right. And calling their attention to that by practicing that mirroring with them, it gives them the ability to see themselves, what they're feeling, what they're experiencing going through it. And you can help them then, you know, kind of unlock that to move towards something that they envision, a different outcome, right? And once you get through that, that process, the first thing I think is having something where you, you, you show a genuine interest, right? So especially if we're talking at the organizational level, we better have done our research and have a, better, a good understanding of why we're taking a meeting with that person. Secondly, move into a place of you challenged now. Let's get their feedback and listen and better listen hard and, 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 and watch for everything that's going on, not just the, 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 verbal, the verbal stuff. And then from there, you know, you, 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 can, get, you can help frame it so it's appropriately defined and, and easily accessible for, for both of you to reference moving forward. Move into a place of envisioning. And then from there, you can, you can help the client put it into practice. Now, if you listen to that, I think that probably sounds very familiar to you along the lines of what we do with an individual basis with your coaching somebody from an executive coaching perspective, right? Because I don't know about you, but maybe you can share a story. I mean, have you ever had a, a client come to you and they knew they wanted coaching, but they didn't know how to get the process started? 
They knew they wanted coaching, but they didn't know how to get they, In other words, they came to you and they said they came to you. So they want coaching, right? But the, the, it was a slow process, a slow roll to kind of get going into the space of gaining access. Yeah, uh, definitely um, many, many years ago, more in the health space. Uh, and I think that was predominantly due to perhaps their 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 perception their, their the the lens with which they're looking through the ideas they had their preconceived notions about um what coaching was or the things that we might have been going to talk about and probably in fact I'd say 90% of them were they weren't expecting to go as deep as fast as what perhaps I wanted to, <laughs> or perhaps where, where, you know, through experience, I know where the goal is and I know how to help someone get there much faster and perhaps they weren't quite ready for that. And I needed to slow down a little bit. Um, not so much, not so much in the last maybe five to 10 years. Um, in the last five to 10 years, mostly it's actually a lot less, uh, what we traditionally call coaching and probably a lot more consulting type work. So many more people now come to me wanting the answer. You know, I don't know what I don't know. Like, give me the thing. What am I missing here? I'm asking more for advice. And then the coaching comes in a little bit later, but certainly earlier on. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, sometimes it, it takes work. Like, and, and I'd have to say that, for the most part, it was about building the relationship with the person and actually very a very small part of it was working on the stuff that they actually wanted to work on mm. as being the vehicle for being able to get to the stuff that they want to work on. It was just building that relationship, building that trust, building that safety, um, them needing to feel like we're on the same team before we can kind of both look at the thing that they actually want to work on. So yeah, a lot, a lot of, I, I guess that's what, you know, one of the ICF core competencies in, isn't it? Um, cultivates mm. trust. If I remember it correctly. Like it's such yeah. an, such an important um, component. Um, it is. And what you said there, I think is right. I mean, it's, it's, you, you got to gain access to being on that same team. Yeah. Right. And so that same thing applies on that personal level. And, and I asked that because I had a few, and you're right, now that I think about it, it was a few years ago, it was more prevalent that because I was taken on to gain experience, you know, people, right? And some of those you're doing at a very low cost, <laughs> you know, to the, to the individual. And in that process of gaining that experience, right, your, your, your clients maybe are less inclined to come with a topic because mm. they're more they they they're more there for the experience of it and there are ways to help unlock that right with doing some visioning exercises and and uh or um one that i like that my training had is called a wheel of life which essentially is listing different areas of your life and peeling back those areas to see where they align with the values you've identified right which grants you access into greater areas of an individual so that you can help them see you know, greater insight into their own decision-making process. Um, <clears throat> but that's that engagement part, right? So the same thing that applies there on the individual basis applies at the corporate level. And in some ways, the corporate level, level I think, is a little <laughs> bit easier 
Ramon, because I think on the corporate level, you can do research. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it, it is a living entity in its own right, but you can do research. You can look at their, at their, 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 their public financial filings. You can see what their LinkedIn profiles are like and the websites are stating. And, and a lot of times it's not what they say, it's what they didn't say and it's what they didn't do. And it's how they didn't define themselves. That metadata that's not very apparent, right? Tells you probably more about what you want to engage with that corporation with than what they actually are presenting to you. Um, that's what I found during doing some of my research. <clears throat> so just as, the reason why I asked that back to you, that individualized coaching experience is kind of like <laughs> blown up to the company size and doing the similar thing, but on the company scale. Um, I think when I first started this, honestly, I thought of doing more one-on-one coaching and less of the training stuff, truthfully. <clears throat> but they both kind of accomplish the same thing. And one feeds the other and vice versa. So I see it as, you know, I have 26 years of business experience behind me and this grants me access to a community that I can do my work in, um, <clears throat> where the other way you're kind of trying to find that access as you go. So I think that's probably why I gravitated this direction and these doors open for me. Um, yeah. but there's no right or, or, or wrong way to this. I mean, I know people that are in the space and are doing, you know, true life coaching. And it's the same set of skills yep. that that I'm taking to the business coaching side. It's the same set of learnings and teachings as well. Um, it's the same applied neuroscience course that you know that that you provided to me that would apply to a to a life coach. So you know th- those things are all the core principles that you said as the ICF, but it's the application of it outwardly. They have so many similarities to them because at the end, it's all about the people. Yeah. Yeah, I think you, you've raised a number of really good and in, like really interesting points that I think a lot of you know, a lot of coaches probably don't consider in the early stages. Maybe it's something that they figure out, or we all have figured out over over time through experiences. Um, but certainly, in a lot of a lot of new coaches coming into the space thinking, well, it's got to look like this or it's got to be like this or no, it can't be that over here. And I think, uh, and perhaps you'll agree with me, that if if coaches are a little more open to, you know, what are the experiences that I've already had? What is, what is my existing expertise? How can I leverage my existing network? What are all the skills that I've developed over the last 10 or 20 years, perhaps in a in a seemingly unrelated career that I could actually bring into this rather than putting myself into a bucket called coaching and sort of staying within, within the lines, you know, like it, right. coaching is another skill set mm-hmm. and I might call myself a coach, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I need to place myself within the, you know, coaching is being conceptualized and placing myself in this bucket. And I don't venture out of that. What, what, what are your thoughts on this idea of, bringing these skills you know that you've developed and expertise and and leveraging the power of coaching but adding some consulting and even some training and education and advice giving and all these things bringing this all together what are you, what are your thoughts it's interesting because i uh, i think about this one a lot you know it, during if you if 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 you went through a curriculum that kind of ste- is steeped in the tradition of the ICF model um, and for those who don't know, that's the International Coaching Federation's model, and that's a, uh, um, uh, an organization for for professional coaches globally. 
um, <clears throat> they really it's really focused on staying within the mindset of being present and there for the client without without bringing yourself to the session, right? Um, staying on your side, on your ledger, and helping and letting your client explore, and that is a core value of mine. So, you know, like anything in life, though. <clears throat> Uh, that has its place and its understanding and, and 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 its purpose, and it fits many places. In fact, I would probably say it fits everywhere. However, <laughs> there are other instances where the um, uh, you heard my my dog there. You heard, yeah, there are other instances when um, uh, when there's knowledge to be shared, right? And I remember when I first started the company. I would try to get people to almost like guess what they were supposed to say sometimes because I was so afraid to share my knowledge, right? And there's one person who I still coach, and he 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 said something to me about it. I remember when you first started, and I, you know, before I was even charging him because I was like looking for someone to practice with, right? And uh, he's moved up a few positions along the way, and and his comment was, it was like you were trying to get me to guess something because you were afraid to tell me something. (laughs) And I don't think that that's like a great place to go about coaching, looking back on it either. Right. So I think it it goes back to what I said earlier. You know, I draw, I make a very distinct line in the sand. If I'm an individualized coaching session that, Hey, I can tell you, if you'd like me to share my knowledge, I'm happy to do so. That'll be consulting. Right. So would you like me to step into that? Yeah. Okay. Great. Give them the consulting and then, okay, now let's go back into coaching and see what they heard, how they wish to apply it, what their what their new thoughts are now that they have this knowledge, right? Does it make sense for that environment? If it doesn't, let's talk about that and find your way for you. Because that doesn't mean that is the right answer. It means that's where my my piece fit that puzzle, so to speak, right? And the same thing applies on the corporate, again, back to like a more of a macro scale when delivering trainings, same thing fits there, right? You have knowledge, you understand that the organization needs this knowledge, you're sharing that knowledge. And then you're providing the coaching to allow it to, let's say, not just fit, but to flourish within an organization, to be something that people want to do and becomes more of the culture at that point. So I think it's a highly appropriate to, to walk that line as a coach. Yeah, and I think that we're initially coached not to do that, <laughs> but we shouldn't be afraid to do it no. because that there is something to be said about passing down knowledge too, Right. Um, and I, I, if I wanted to be a true business consultant, I wouldn't have said what I said at the beginning of this podcast about, you know, like just going out and telling somebody how to run their business. <clears throat> no, I mean, I think it has to start with coaching and it has to, and it has to finish with coaching the in-between there's an opportunity for knowledge share. If you find something where you're, where, where, what you possess is going to benefit the other. Yep. Oh, I love that. It needs to start with coaching and finish with coaching. But in the middle, you know, it can, it can be quite a mix of, mm-hmm. of mentoring, training, educating, um, knowledge sharing, coaching, consulting, you know, and, and all of these things. There's some crossover between them. Some of them are more similar than others. Um, actually, for our coaches, I, I always you know, recommend like going and having a look at how teaching, mentoring, training are all conceptualized. Uh, particularly in the literature, to get an idea of the differences, the similarities, the nuance, you know, uh, um, to know when to draw on these things. But I I love this idea uh, of putting on the coaching hat and then switching and putting on the consulting hat, but making it explicit, okay, and asking the question, would you like me to step into this other role, essentially? 
yes, okay, great, now I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, and then back again, it makes it very clear. Yeah, and isn't it, it's funny, I don't know about you, but when I switch over to consulting, I'm generally excited to share that information. Mm-hmm. Like my rate of speech goes up, I become more demonstrative. And, you know, and I actually, one of my business partners said this to me, he said, you know, when I first met you, I didn't understand that you had a coach's personality. I'm putting air quotes up for the podcast listeners. Um, because in my business context, I get very energized and very excited. And I became, I become very like externally driven, like a driver type of personality at times. Right. But that's not me when I'm in a coaching session with a client, right. Very different. I stick back and I ask what I think and what I've been told can be challenging questions at times that some people haven't been, are not accustomed to being asked, but Again, I think that comes from the grittiness associated with doing business development for 26 years, right? I've, I've developed a comfort around asking un- uncomfortable questions. So that fits a lot of people. Some people, it might be off-putting for, for the style that I possess. Um, that being said, it goes back to, I think you, you asked a question earlier on. I don't know if I answered it. Like, what's the reasoning? You know, like, how do you connect and how does that, how does it work that you connect with people? And I think it is about always meeting somebody, you know, on their level, like where, where, where is the person, where is the person that I am currently speaking with? Where are they? And let me stay there with them in that space. Right. And if it's about ascension, then that's going to allow itself to progress as we talk. If it's about figuring out a specific let's say issue topic, or like you know, go back to the company space, like culture references for the company, that can be more exploratory, right? But either way, you got to stay where they are in that parameter set. Expansion happens over time, mm-hmm. inevitably. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know about you, you probably, I, I bet you're going to agree with me on this. How many times you have somebody come to you and say, I want to talk about this. I really don't want to talk about this stuff. You know, like, so maybe in this case, I want to talk about everything related to business, but leave my personal life out of this. Right. And that comes from that old way of, of thinking that I was educated on whenever I was younger and all most of my career. And that is, well, you got to learn to compartmentalize your thoughts and not take your work home with you. Right. And I don't know about you, but I think that's all BS now. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. So really we're all one person, right? We don't get to turn off one thing and turn on another um, in that sense. So, you know, inevitably what happens in those relationships is you get expansion. You end up talking about things that are both personally uh, uh, inclined as well as professionally. And the real kicker that clients always see a hundred percent of the time um, is how those two are so connected and relatable. In other words, you may find great insight if you if if something is said that I can call your attention to that happens more in your personal setting mm-hmm. that you can bring over as a reference point for you to make a decision in your professional setting and vice versa. So I think trying to bifurcate those two worlds is a disservice to oneself too, right? And that just typically comes out during the process. I never make these proclamations except for a in a, in a, in a setting like this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think one of the, the most common things that, uh, I experience with a lot of people going through the neuroscience programs, particularly on the executive and leadership side, like a lot of executive leadership coaches that have been brought in to help with decision-making and problem solving and these sorts of things. 
a lot of them, in fact, most of them come away from the neuroscience training and implementing that with their clients are actually bringing in things like, well, you know, for this executive, Bob, he's having trouble making decisions and connecting with his team and problem solving and these sorts of things. So I've got him sleeping better, um, taking more time for himself personally, connecting better in his personal relationships, eating better quality food, because all of those things feed into the things that he's doing on a daily basis in the work environment. It's like, well, yeah, of course. You know, for 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 um, those of us that have gone through and talk about healthy brain and, and on all those sorts of things, we understand the connections. But for a lot of people, they just think work life, personal life. Mm-hmm. That they don't even make the connect, uh, connections between health or how I'm operating in the personal right. space, how I'm performing at work. It's like, well, of course, they're, 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 these things are all connected. So how can we bring all of these other elements together to help this individual knowing that they're greater than the sum of their parts? I mean, this is the whole holistic approach, right? Yeah, the Western world has done a great job of dissection. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, you know, we, and in this, it's, it's a, it's also a great contribution to the world. You know, like you could say horrific if we're thinking medically back historically, right. Some of, some of the things that were experimented on animals and people. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a contribution. Let's call it what it is. I mean, we now have a better understanding of how systems work, right. Um, that, that experience of dissection though, like takes away from the way the system works as a whole. Right. Mm-hmm. If you only stay focused on that, if you're gaining insight from that dissection, I think that's appropriate. Like that makes sense to me. But if you're, if we get into a place where that dissection is, is supposedly that whole little pie carve out with inside of you. Right. And then you dissect that even further. I just, I, 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 I it, it's easy for me to see how people miss those connections then in themselves, right. How they're not able to think through things like that. Um, but that's where I think the coaching experience gains, gains clarity for the client. Like I think about my own personal career and I'm happy with where I ended. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Um, um, I couldn't be more pleased with how my career has gone. Right. So, um, that's like a, a great place for me to be. And, and it feels great to say that out loud. Right. But when I was younger, I would have so much benefited from me <laughs> now, right? <laughs> from having a coach, and that they weren't available then. No. Like, you know, I, I I don't know the exact history, but the density of coaches available to the world wasn't at a level that somebody who was a twenty-nine-year-old sales manager working in the tech industry that was a brand new industry at the time mm. knew how to like. I had no access to that, right? And now it's readily available for people. Yeah, so um, anything that helps promote that, I want to be part of. And I want to say like one thing about the COPE organization <clears throat> that really like aligns to me is, you know, a lot of people, we open the call on this. A lot of people get into coaching with some of the things that we both discussed in mind, right? I think a lot of what I said probably aligns to a lot of people's personal story and journey. I'm sure you've heard it. I have too. Um, so there's some similarities there that that tend to like that there are through lines to those stories. And uh, but we get to the place of like getting an ICS certification, maybe going through a cohort experience like I did and getting professionally trained. Um, 
And you come out, even with the professional training and this, this graduate certificate attached to your name and the initials of the end of your name after, after the certification, um, it's not like you know, you're an attorney and you get to go work for a giant law firm making $200,000 a year as a, as a, you know, let's say three years into your career. Right. Mm. Um, in the coaching space, you, you, it's, it, you very much, we very much have to find our own way. Um, and in that sense, it's probably pure to its essence, I think. Um, but I, part of the thing that drives me a cope is to create an environment where we are putting coaches to work for the benefit of people. Mm-hmm. Right. Love a that. place where people can come and collaborate with us to deliver solutions that the we know the world needs, create additional space for coaches to get engaged and put coaches to work, not just make the impact individually, but as my like uh, um, uh, uh, senior year of high school um, um, environmental science teacher told me, you know, like if you if you act locally, you change the world globally. So same thing applying here. If we can put more people to work doing this, then it's going to have a greater impact exponentially upon the world. So that's my personal vision attached to working for COPE and working within this organization and growing the brand further over here. That's what drives me. Mm -hmm. Actually, let's talk about that for a moment, because I think it's one thing to create a personal mission it's another thing for a company to have their mission. What do we do when it comes to alignment of these things? Or, or you know, maybe they're not completely aligned for some people, but they, they might think, you know, I love what they're doing. It kind of aligns with what I'm doing. Do I need to dive deeper into this? Like what's the approach? If they aren't completely aligned, should I not? Um, work with this organization? Like, what, what, where do you stand on this approach with mission alignment, personal and, and organization mission alignment? I think my personal belief is that the closer we can get to that impurity, the yep. better off we are. Yep. Right. So, there was a, a uh, there's a couple things that have influenced me on this. A couple things, actually. I read, read a, um, um, a lot into um, uh, Buddhist principles and thinking, right? And that opened my, my, my brain space to this, <laughs> okay? That created the space for neuroplasticity to, to develop, as, as you would want me to, want me to put it. Um, and then from there, I read a, um, I can't remember the exact name. At one point, it was called the, um, it was, uh, it was a, uh, the Grant Study, because the foundation that, that gave Harvard the, the funding for the longitudinal study they did. And for those who don't know, a longitudinal study is like a lifetime. It's a long-term study um, uh, over of something, in this case, in psychology. And what they, what, they, what they were trying to accomplish was what makes people happy? Mm. You know, what drives happiness in one's life? And the outcome of this lifelong study of people starting in the 50s um, is that those who live the longest and healthiest lives had alignment to their values and principles. And it didn't have to be that they had that alignment at the very beginning of life. In fact, most of them didn't. But if they found it along the way, even if it were late in life, in their 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. their health dramatically improved mm-hmm. and their longevity of life improved and went longer. Those who never found that died sooner 
and had more substance abuse issues, right? Relationship issues, so forth and so on. So it's really interesting that this does prove itself out. So I think the panacea is connected to, okay? <clears throat> now, is that realistic? You know, I heard a coach say this once, and I, I wish I could remember who it was, because I'd love to give the, 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 the reference to, to the statement. But she said, you know, being authentic is a great thing, and we should all strive for it. And, and I'm all about it, but we have to be careful sometimes not to authenticate ourselves out, out of a, out of a position. Mm, right? yeah. <laughs> and that especially applies in the, in the workspace. Right. So I know I made that mistake. I mean, if you would interview a few people I worked for in some previous stops, they would tell you that it's always a pretty up, outspoken guy. And I tended to be disruptive, but I always saw it as a positive disruption, mm. perhaps looking back on it, maybe others didn't, you know? So um, I probably authenticated myself, myself right out of a few promotions along the way is what happened. Right. And, and that's okay. It, 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 it landed me here, but what happens if that person like me was saying something in an environment where they really do connect, you know, like it was okay for me because I didn't really connect to that, to that space truthfully. Hmm. But, um, but what if it's a, in, in place that it's your dream to be that, to be part of that type of organization, right? Sometimes there may be misalignment. So where do you find alignment? And then having the ability to focus your energy on where you're gaining that alignment, right? So you can, let's just say, <laughs> tolerate for lack of a better word, right? The thing that may be a little bit out of alignment and that just know there's always an opportunity. And that's, this is the thing that I think is just about human evolution too. There's an opportunity for change. Right. So that alignment may not be completely there, but if you have 75% of it and you're happy with your career and so forth, that 25% that's missing is an opportunity for you to perhaps have an impact on the same organization or to be creative and create your own space doing something similar in the same type of industry that you have such a passion for on your own or elsewhere. Right. But either way, the ecosystem of that industry gets healthier when people are more aligned to what the industry should be accomplishing. So either way, it's a benefit. So I say the best way to get there is to, to, to help define alignment. We did that as we started the Cope Americas brand too. And we recorded the session of, uh, I led a visioning exercise with my partners, right? And, and that was to just understand personally, like, what are you bringing? Just talk about our individual values so we can help define the values of the company as a whole. And here we are now four or five months into this, um, working together as a team. And I can't help but notice that our alignment has improved, but some of the things we said in our initial vision have changed. So we just discussed this. I think we're going to do another one of these because we're starting to see the impact that we have on each other by that force of collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. And that force of collaboration is driving us to really hone in and define what's going to benefit us as a whole, the clients that we wish to have an impact on. And, and that's something that's then a shared belief, our shared vision that we can go forward with. And that doesn't surprise me too much because we're not talking about our own individual, what we want, right? We're defining what we as a team are looking to bring to the world. And while those two, two things should be in alignment, there are, you now need to accommodate two beings outside of oneself, right? In this case, I have two partners. So the three of us need to make sure that we understand where we're finding those connection points. We meet there. And when we do, we excel and do great work. 
When we don't, I notice there's friction, right? And and through that process, though, is where we're now finding our true alignment, our ability to do what that grant study said, and that is connect to what our beliefs is, what our belief systems system is, what our beliefs are to the work that we're doing every day. Mm-hmm. And, I love and holding work. yourself accountable as a team oh. is the other thing, right? I'll tell you this one thing. When I was going for two years on this alone, before I started work two and a half years on, on this alone, before I started working with Siobhan and David, um, I, uh, I, I miss that being held accountable piece, right? It's really a challenge to like kick yourself in the rear end every day to, to challenge yourself, to think differently, do differently. This isn't working. So I'm going to try this now. It's so much easier whenever going back to the coaching space, but it works in the team environment too. There's so many uh, uh, relational points here um, that when somebody is holding you accountable to what you said, and then you have to go and place it into action and see if it worked or not, and then being held accountable for investing the time that either it worked or it didn't in that space, right? That adds a whole other layer of, um, of uh, I don't know, understanding, drive, influence, all that stuff that that, that you it's hard to manufacture just within oneself. Mm-hmm. And I love that you guys are making this explicit. Like it's not going back to what you were saying in the beginning, there, there's often, and, and from your experience, um, you know, in the, in the sales space, in the organizational space and within companies that there's a lot of talk around things but often it's not put into practice and making it explicit is so important. And even, even in, um, you know, in the individual personal kind of area with people in careers or changing jobs or even in their personal lives. And they say, you know, these, you know, that my values are similar to the organizations. Okay, great. Well, we've ever actually like made them explicit. Have you written them down? Have you conceptualized what they are? Have you, you know, taking it from a list of 12 things to a list of your top three things or the, the one most important thing, like these sorts of things, like, and then revisiting them from time to time. It's one thing to, to feel, oh, yes, I feel like we're aligned and I feel like we're in the same place. It's another thing entirely to actually get this down on paper, discuss it, um, you know, even down to uh, I've found a lot of value working with people in how they're defining terms. You know, you might say freedom. I might say freedom as perhaps a a value of ours, but what does freedom actually mean to you and look like for you? Like how how have you defined it so that I can have an understanding of what that means too because we can use the same word and have very different meanings or or ways of acting on that particular value as an example. So I think I love that, that you guys are making this explicit, uh, and revisiting it as well to make sure that there is alignment and that's going to be ongoing. Yeah. I mean, it's the reason we all got into it too. Right. I mean, you'd like to think that you do something that you're good at and that you have alignment towards and you end up making lots of money and, you know, and you're, you're able to afford today's cost of real estate, for example. Right. But the reality of it is we don't know that. All we know is that we have experience, we have trust in ourselves as individuals and each other, and we're giving it a go. And um, we'd like to think during that time, it'll, it'll, it'll show its way. You know, I mean, we're very much in that entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial um, 
vision and trying to chase that vision space right now. And I hope that some listeners are out there hear that and, and can sense just that's difficult. It's a hard thing, right? So, you know, while we are helping organizations define that for themselves, boy, it would be silly if we weren't applying those same things internally. In fact, that's why we record a lot of our sessions in the hope that one day we can look back at it and put it up at, you know, at a talk we give and, you know, at a conference or something and poke fun of ourselves for doing the same things that every organization goes through. Because, I mean, there have been missteps by each of us as individuals towards each other, right? Um, And I'm guilty of that, just like uh, probably more so than the other two, because I'm super expressive (laughs) as an individual, right? So it comes out. um, And, uh, you know, but that's part of that forming process in a team. That's part of 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 sharing a vision and and it's got to be something that's living the moment that thing becomes something that's not alive by definition it's dead you know so it's got to be a living thing it has to be something that you're able to have a conversation about that you can revisit that you can hold each other accountable to if you're not doing that then you have it's time to redefine that again right mm-hmm. that, those are my thoughts on it yeah lovely final thoughts for our listeners you know, everybody's coming through some transition right now, right? And and I mean that. Like, it's kind of rare that you could say that in, in, in a place and time. But I don't know about everybody, but I'd say the majority of people are going through some form of personal, professional transition with everything that's going on in the world affairs. And um, with that, it's, it can be a little scary. Right. And I think we're seeing some horrific things happen that's come out of this. Um, uh, so, you know, I'll leave it up to each individual to define that. I'm not looking to get too political here to close out the call. But I will say we should all have faith in, in an understanding in something that that if as we seek our own like internal guidelines and where we should be going, if we're all individually looking for that ascension, then these things that are popping up around the world as friction points, they'll take care of themselves. You know, they will. Um, but I would love to see us all talk again and have a conversation again and start sharing information again, because that collaborative nature isn't just for the boardroom. It isn't just for coaching. It's for humanity's sake. And um, I'd like to see us go back to that, you know, yeah. get out of our corners. Hundred percent. Where's the the best place for people to connect with you? LinkedIn, uh, the yeah, website. You can find me on LinkedIn, um, and the website is Cope K O A P Americas A M E R I C A S dot com. Cope Americas dot com. Beautiful. Yeah. Guys, we'll put the links in the show notes. Daniel, great chat. Been good to see you. Great chat. <laughs> Yeah, man, I enjoyed it. That's it for this episode. If you want to support the show, make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and then head over to brainfirsttraininginstitute.com to join our community of coaches. And for resources and products to help you upgrade your brain in life, including interviews with leading neuroscientists and health and high-performance experts, go to mybrainfirst.com. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon.